Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. You know, our theme for uh, Easter was, um, you know, that basically you become a new creation in Christ. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? I love that we're a new creation in Christ. And I thought, well, you know, after we've had such a great weekend and, and we think about the fact that we're a new creation in Christ, well, that's awesome because that can happen in a moment. But I thought, well, what happens after that, you know? Well, you're a new creation in Christ. What is the thing that happens next? And how many of us would know and we'd also understand that it's one thing to be made a new creation, but it's another thing to kind of live in it, to live as a new creation. So I want to uh, uh, preach a message to you guys this morning called Get Smart, Live Free. Get Smart, Live Free. It's pretty self-explanatory. So let me uh, read this very first scripture to you guys this morning. It says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, which is to say other Christians, fear God, and honor the emperor. Let's pray together this morning. God, we thank you for today. We thank you, Jesus, that even as we reflect uh, on last week, we realize that you made us to be a new creation in, in, in your son. And so, God, we're so grateful for all the things that you've done for us. God, I pray that today we just lean into practically how uh, helpful you are in your word. And as we listen to what you say and as we listen to what you teach, I pray, God, that for some of us, we're going to get free today. For some of us, we're going to be transformed by what we hear today. For some of us, we're going to leave this place today and walk out and, and just approach life differently. And so we ask you to, uh, to speak to us. Let our hearts be open to everything you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Starting free, or starting, you know, living free is the easy part. Starting free, you can start free. Living that way and staying free is a, is a whole nother challenge altogether. Starting free, easy. Living free, not so easy. The thing is, there, there are so many pitfalls in life. And if you're, um, you know, been on the earth for any amount of time, you would know that. Even children understand that there are so many pitfalls in life. And a lot of our pitfalls, how many of us will understand that they have to do with people and places money. There's so many pitfalls in life. How many of you would understand that sometimes that there are just people that are going to take you in the wrong direction? You know, if you're a parent, you think about this a lot because you have children and you want to make sure that they're surrounded by the right friends. And so, you know, sometimes people can take other people in the wrong direction. Now, the thing about this is I always say, well, if you're influencing somebody and you're leading them towards Christ, right, that's great. And maybe they don't have the right orientation in their heart about where they're headed. And that's great if you're leading them. If they're leading you, you have a different kind of problem. And if they're leading you, you know, the Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. So sometimes we just need to be aware of our environments. Uh, that's another pitfall it can be environments. There are some places that you just shouldn't go. There are some places that you shouldn't be found in. There are some environments that if you walk into it, you know that sort of, you know, your, your will might be weak in, in that environment. Like if you're a lady and you love to go shopping, just don't go. 
just don't go. It's like, I can't control myself. I want to buy a new handbag. I don't know. It was like there are some environments that are just going to have an impact on you. And you know you're starting to get smart when you know where you should go, who you should speak to, and where you should be. That's how you know you're starting to get a little bit smarter in life. How many of us would understand that getting, uh, having a relationship with God, when God sets you free from the power of sin that's in your life, that that happens in a moment? Amen? How good is that? But actually getting free is a process. You get saved in a moment, but getting free can sometimes take months. We would understand that sometimes, you know, when a person gives their life to Jesus, well, that's just awesome. And it's exciting. But then they don't instantly forget everything they did up until that moment. I mean, they don't have like a lobotomy and suddenly they can't remember all the stuff that they used to do or the habits they used to have. And it's actually kind of easy to grab that stuff and sort of drag it into your new, newly created life. And so, you know, as people that are following God, we got to understand that sometimes there is time. It takes time. It takes process sometimes to figure out about where you should go and what you should do. On, uh, uh, I think it was maybe Thursday this week or during the week, uh, I got home and Sarah comes out and she meets me in, in the garage and she says, now, the boys have been pretty well behaved, but I want to let you know that Judah has he's broken the trampoline. I said, well, how did he do that? Like it's a trampoline. She said, oh, he's broken the net on the side, you know? I said, all right. So I walked in the house and uh, they're asking me for dessert. Hey, dad, can we get dessert? And so I like to uh, give my kids opportunities, to be honest. So I said, uh, of course you can. Just tell me first, have you guys been good boys today? They're like, yeah. Yes, dad. I said, okay, so you've been good boys. Yep. So you listen to mom and didn't, I, I'm, I, I start to go down the path. I start to get really specific. Did you do anything today that you want to tell me about? Uh, did, well, all right. Well, did you break anything today that you haven't admitted to so far? You have to get specific with kids because they don't really want to tell you. I'm trying to jog uh, my son's memory. And then somehow we got out the idea that he broke the trampoline. And, you know, like, you know, when kids try to explain something that they've done wrong, they try to hide the big picture in the details. So Judah, he says to me, well, yeah, but I, I need to tell you, Dad, it wasn't really my fault. You see, he starts talking about the gradient and the angle uh, of, of his knees when they hit the net. And he starts getting specific. And then he brings up the idea of gravity as if I don't understand how it works. And he says, well, Dad, it wasn't really, there was, see, the angle, the gra it was like a 45. And let me talk to you, Dad, about the durability of that net. It's not double-stitched, you know? And he starts trying to explain to me. So by the end, when I've heard about how he's completely destroyed that net that I told him not to jump into 101 times, I'm so overwhelmed at the details that I go, well, yeah, Judah, I mean, it's not your fault. It was clearly gravity and the angle and the trajectory of your knees at the time uh, uh, and, and the way that the sun was setting. You couldn't see properly, son. I understand that, you know? And so he, they try to basically cover up the big picture with some of the details, you know? And I reckon that when people need to start covering stuff up by adding the details and talking around it, that's how you know they're not living free. That's how you know people aren't living free. When they're trying to cover up what they do. 
by giving explanations about the details and the environments. And they found themselves in that place again or hanging out with that kid again or whatever it is. It's like they're trying to cover up the big picture with some of the details. That's when you know people aren't living free. Now I'm going to say something to you this morning and I don't want it to come as a shock to you. Maybe some of you already know this, but God's freedom has boundaries. Did you know that? That God's freedom, it has boundaries. They're going to come across and sound kind of like rules. God's freedom has boundaries. You know, when Peter says in the Scripture that we read this morning that we have freedom, when he uses that word freedom, do you know that what he means is that we're free of the power of sin? That's the kind of freedom that Peter talks about, that we would be free from the power of sin. If you were in church last week, I spoke about how it says sin reigned through one man. It reigned through Adam, which means it was in power. It was in a position of authority. And when Jesus was resurrected, He kicked out that old government and He stepped in and now He rules and reigns. And so when Peter says, hey, you've got freedom in Christ, right? we got to understand that that freedom that Peter is talking about there is sin-free. That is a very different kind of freedom to doing whatever you want. Because they sound the same, but they're actually completely different. In fact, when Peter says, you're free, do you know what he really means? When he uses the word freedom, he's saying, you're free now to choose good. Where before, your nature was in such a state that it would quite often and frequently choose to go the opposite direction. You with me? You with me? About three of you are following me. That's awesome. But now that you're sin free and God has revealed things to you about where you should go and what you should do and what you should say and who you should speak to. Some of the pitfalls, now that He's revealed to you and you suddenly have a reorientation in your heart based on what? The fact that you have a new nature. He's saying you're now free to continue to pursue doing the right things. Now to some people, that's still gonna sound like rules. It's funny how that sounds like rules, but you know, here's the thing when, What Peter is really saying here is he's saying, if you start to misuse freedom, what you'll end up doing is covering up the evil that you do. When you misuse the freedom that you've got. And I started thinking, how can you actually misuse freedom to cover up evil? Like, do you ever read the Bible and actually think about what it says and road test it with your own life and say, instead of just reading through it and saying to yourself, yeah, of course, using freedom to cover up evil. Have you ever, do you ever really stop and start to think, what the heck does that actually mean? What does he mean? How could you use your freedom, your orientation towards good? How could you use that to cover up evil? And I understood when I started to think about it, it means you sweep everything under the grace rug. You sweep it under the grace rug. Why? I'm, I'm free from sin. So it doesn't rule my life. So even when I make mistakes, I'm saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Amen. I believe that. But then how many of us say that if I get really comfortable with that and I'm like, it's cool. 
I can do whatever I want right now because whenever I do, I just sweep it under the grace rug. And suddenly it becomes real to me, the idea that we could use our freedom to cover up our evil by getting comfortable with doing the wrong thing over and over again and then misusing grace by saying, ah, it's cool, don't worry, God's got this covered. And then I start to realise this is how you start to cover up evil with using your freedom. Yeah, I had this friend of mine, and I used to speak to him about having a relationship with God. And he said to me, well, why don't I just wait till I get to the end of my life? And in his own mind, he says, I can be free right now. And right before I die, I will say sorry then. And then I've got to live a life of freedom where I get to do whatever I want. And at the last minute, I'll say, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? And then Jesus will step in and I still get to go to heaven and I got to be free my whole life. And I thought about that and I thought, I reckon a lot of people think about it that way. And I realized that he had missed something completely. You see, his idea of freedom is I can do whatever I want to and I can be free here. And then at the last minute, I'll say sorry. And then the clamps come on and the fun police rock up. That's us. We're pastors. We're the fun police, right? And we say, oh, you can't do this. And we say that you can't do that. You know what my friend missed? He missed that if you misuse freedom, if you think freedom means you can do whatever you want, you become trapped on earth. Now, the thing is, is that Jesus said, I have come so that you could have life and have it abundantly. And to give us an abundant life, He put boundaries in place so that we could enjoy life and have freedom. But how many of us would also recognize and understand that if we live without any boundaries in life, we end up becoming more trapped than we ever would have been. If you keep crossing boundaries, you get trapped on earth, then you're not free at all. And that makes sense to me. Guys, you gotta know that Jesus nailed your past sins, your experiences, all the wrong stuff that you've done. He took that and He nailed that to the cross. He nailed your failure to the cross so you could be free. Free from what? Free from the power of sin that's over your life. But if you think that being free means you get to do whatever you want, then you will actually end up trapped. Because doing whatever you want It's not actually going to keep you safe. I love what Tim Keller says. He says, freedom isn't found in the removal of all restraints. Freedom comes from having the right restraints. Let me show you what I mean. If I go for a drive one day in my car and I decide I don't like rules, I don't like boundaries, I don't like guidelines, so I'm going to drive at whatever speed I want. I don't care what the police say. I don't care what the state of Victoria says. I'm gonna drive as fast as I want because I don't like rules. And as I'm driving, I'm enjoying my drive, but then I realize that I'm too restrained because this seatbelt is getting in the way. So I remove the restraints. So I take off my seatbelt. Now I'm totally free, right? I'm free. I'm driving as fast as I want and totally uninhibited by any restrictions because I've got my seatbelt off and I'm completely free. Now, if I stop very, very suddenly, which can happen when you break the speed limit, 
If I stop very suddenly, how many of us would understand right then, I'm not going to be free at all? Because actually, for the next 12 months, I end up in a coma and I'm completely restrained to the confines of a hospital room because I thought I was experiencing freedom. But when I came to a sudden stop, because something, whereas I was exploring my freedom, something stopped me very quickly. And now I'm confined to the hospital bed and I can't go anywhere. And how many of us would know that that's not very free? And then after that, I have to go through multiple surgeries and undergo, uh, you know, reconstructive surgery. And that takes, you know, six months to do that. And a year and a half later, I get out and I start going through rehabilitation to learn how to use my own body again because I was so injured from having my freedom that actually I ended up getting so badly hurt that I ended up being trapped for years. And that to me doesn't sound free at all. And this is the great lie of sin. This is the lie and it's the trap. Do you know what a snare is? It, it, it's kind of like this thing is a, it's a trap. You, you look at it and you think you want it, but the moment you get your hands on it, the trap springs and you're trapped. And that's what sin does. It says, you know what? Throw off the rules, throw off the restraints, forget what the Word of God teaches about how you should actually live your life. You know, make your own decisions, do whatever you want to do. But then the moment you reach for that, you start to go down that path. You know what happens. You think you're exploring freedom. You end up getting more trapped by experiencing freedom than you ever would have been had you just lived in the right restraints, the ones that God puts in His Word. And I've understood that there are a couple of traps to really catch people. And the traps, they have to do with how you treat people and how you think about God. How you treat people and how you think about God. The scripture that we read today, do you know what the, the main issue is here? The main issue that Peter is dealing with is he's saying there are Christian people who are mistreating other people and they're okay with it. They're completely comfortable with the fact that they're not treating people the right way. Now, here's how you know you're in big trouble is when you've done the wrong thing for so long, you've begun to explain it away in the details, cover it under grace, and you've become comfortable with it. That's when you know you're starting to get really trapped. See, Peter is talking to some people that are mistreating others and somehow theologically or philosophically or in some way, they've come to a place where they said, it's okay for us to treat people this way. And you know what the kicker is to this? Here's the kicker. They no longer fear God. They're not worried about, that's why the passage we read, it said, love the brotherhood and fear God. Now, when I talk about fearing God, do you know what I mean by that? I'm saying to hold Him in holy awe and reverence. I'm all for calling dad my Abba father. I don't mind people calling God daddy if, if you feel comfortable to do that. I'm okay with all of that, seriously. But when it starts to, or if it starts to come at a cost where you start to go, he's cool with that. We're so tight that he's gonna let me get away with things. I think you've missed the fact that he is the Lord God Almighty, that he's actually holy, that occasionally God actually has some expectations about the way that we do relationships. Here's when I really start to get worried about someone. When they start to tell me what they're getting into and I realize they don't even worry about the consequences or they've brought God to a place where He's become comfortable with their sin. And then I really start to worry because I go, boy, you're, you, 
When somebody starts to come to that place where they start, they've explained it to themselves so many times, they start trying to explain it to you. I'm like, you've come to a place where you're nearly unteachable. I don't even know what we can do for that anymore. Because uh, I can say the right words, but they're just going to bounce off your heart because your heart has is, got hard. You're not worried about what God thinks anymore at all. Do you understand that Jesus has expectations of the way we do relationships? In fact, here's how Jesus summarized the law. He said that you should love God and love people. He summarized it that way. Now, I kind of think that if you were to just get those things right, if you really loved people and you really loved God, that all the other stuff would probably just fall into place in your life. But because the Bible is so explicit and it's very good at teaching, sometimes they go ahead and they start to point out what that actually looks like. No one's better at doing this than Paul. So let me read to you from Romans. Here's what Paul said. And if you were to read this in your Bible, at the very top, there's a little heading there. And it actually says, get this, the marks of a true Christian. I'm not even going to go down that path, but that's what it says, all right? So it says, bless those who persecute you. Are you kidding? Stop right there. Don't keep reading. And you're like, yeah, of course. Bless those that persecute me. That's fine. Really? Is it? Have you ever really been persecuted in maybe in your workplace where people really had it in for you? Have you ever suffered persecution? Now, I can come to a place where I realize that, you know, God's going to forgive them. I can come to a place where I say, well, I might even forgive them. But bless them? Really? Come on. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Don't be saying bad things about them while they're saying bad things about you. Rejoice with those who rejoice, which means that when somebody does something so good in life, you can rejoice with them instead of getting jealous about their successes. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. So come on, comfort people. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty. Who knows what that means? You knew what it means before I put the word superior next to it. Okay. Don't, don't think about yourself as better than other people. Even if you, I mean, if you're a Christian and maybe you understand some things that other people don't, that's all right. We don't lord that over people. Even Jesus came to serve everyone. Don't be haughty or superior in your own eyes, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. So in other words, let him deal with it. For it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, your enemy, not your friend, okay? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Drink, For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Leave that slide there for one second. When it says that we, by being kind and generous and looking after your enemies, that you're heaping burning coals on their head, it kind of seems out of place with all the other stuff that's written. It says, don't repay anyone evil for evil. And once you've done that, you put burning coals on their heads. Does that seem kind of odd to you? Well, actually, here's what it means. Because the, 
the hats that they would wear, a lot, of, a lot of people are traveling through the desert at night and all different hours and it gets pretty cold in the desert. It's hot during the day. It's very cold at night. And so they would keep like something called burning coals and they would keep them in their hats. And so they would, if they, if they were out somewhere and it was getting cold, they could take that out and start a fire and stay, stay warm. And so he says, you know what? By being kind to people, when it says you're heaping burning coals on their head, they're saying, they're talking about fellowship. They're talking about friendship. They're talking about extending a hand of grace to somebody who needs something from you and may never be able to repay you. That's what it actually means when you're supposed to be heaping burning coals on their heads. Now, I, I, I look at this and I think to myself, oh my gosh, that, what we just read, that's pretty difficult. You know, when you're being persecuted, it sounds fine in church on Sunday while you're sitting here surrounded by other Christians. Mm-hmm, amen. Absolutely. Until you get into your workplace tomorrow and everything shifts. Let, let me show you how this works because I've, I've understood that actually life gives you so many opportunities to work out the good stuff that the Bible teaches, all right? So I, I, I'm going to do something this morning. Can you bring that chair up here? And I'm going to ask this gentleman right down here to my, right in front of me. Can we please give him a hand as he comes to the, to the platform? I won't need this. All right. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to get you to sit in this chair. I want to show you how this works practically in your life. And I'm hoping at the end of this that you understand how to do something with it. So here's what I want you to do. Can you just hold that right there? All right. Here we go. Everyone, this is Bob. Say hello, Bob. This is Bob. He, not even he knew that. This is Bob. Bob is a dedicated worker, a very hard worker, a very good employee. Bob, he uh, got to work a little bit late one morning. And uh, as he's walking through the door, nobody noticed him or saw him. And all of Bob's co-workers we're in the tea room having a bit of a chat. And as he opened the door, he could overhear what they were saying. And some of these guys that were in that tea room started making fun of Bob. And they started saying all kinds of terrible things about him. And they were making up stuff and people were laughing and they were having a great time. And Bob was stood at the door and he heard everything that they said, but he was so embarrassed and felt so terrible about what they said that he didn't walk straight into the room. In fact, he walked out the room. He sat in his car for 10 minutes and he came back into work 10 minutes later and he tried to pretend that nothing had happened. And that kind of worked okay for Bob for a little while. But the problem was that as he tried to continue to do life, it became really difficult because he never had a conversation about it after that point. And he didn't deal with all the junk that was going on in his heart. And so Bob, without actually realizing it, Bob started to become really offended and he started to harbor all of this unforgiveness in his heart. And as he began to harbor all the unforgiveness in his heart, he started to get wound up. It made relationships at work really difficult. It made things really hard for him to have a normal conversation because he had all this unforgiveness in his heart. And then, you know, because the people that they made fun of him and they had such a great time, he started to hold a grudge. 
against some of the people that were in there. And when he had his opportunity to undo them in front of the boss, he took that opportunity and he would just say all the kind of negative and terrible things that he could. Why? Because he had a, a grudge in his heart. And then after that, he, he started to become really bitter against all the people in his workplace. He got so bitter that he didn't really want to come to work anymore. He started planning on coming, up, coming to work late and all the, you know, all the rest of it. Why? Because he didn't want to spend time with people. And, and eventually, he got to the place where he just hated his workplace. He hated the people he worked with. And he was praying to God one day and he said, God, you got to rescue me from this. See if you can, can you hold that there? Can you even reach your hand there? By the way, Bob promised me that this rope wouldn't hold him this morning. He said, I'll burst straight out of it. I said, you will not. Not for my illustration, you won't. And so here he is, completely wound up, unforgiveness, grudge, bitterness, and ended up being in this place where he just had hate in his life and contempt for all the people that he worked with. And he was praying one day and he said to Jesus, Jesus, you got to help me here. My workplace is terrible. I'm so mad. I'm so frustrated with all these people. And I start to look at Bob and I go, here is the guy who was able to live in freedom, but he got mad and he got frustrated. And who's trapped in this situation? Is it the people that said all the things about him? They're not trapped. They don't even know that he is aware of it. Who's trapped now? Bob. And what's happened is, is that Bob has actually lost his freedom and he's ended up becoming a slave. He's so wound up and bound up. And it's like sometimes when Jesus sort of just comes to us and he says, if you wanna be free, if you wanna be able to move forwards in life, then the best thing that you can do is actually let go. And as you begin to let go, all the stuff and all the junk and all the rest of it, you start to forgive people and all of that starts to come off your life. And you know what? This is why Jesus died. So you wouldn't have to be a slave anymore. And I think, why would anyone choose to be wound up like that? Who would choose that kind of life? See, sometimes the way to actually live free is to let go. Let go of stuff so you don't get wound up. Come on, let's give this guy a hand. Thank you, Bob. You know, Jesus gave us a whole bunch of boundaries about how we should do life. He says that you should forgive people quickly. He says that you should get peace in your heart and begin to move on. He said that you don't require anyone else to forgive you so that you can forgive them. Forgiveness is actually for you. See, this is my point. The way that we do relationships is so important. And God has outlined it so many times in His Word about how we should act and what we should do. You know, when it's my kids' birthdays, I like to get them good presents. And Sometimes they're unwrapping their present and it might be a really expensive one. And as they're unwrapping it, they take it out of the box and I try to get my words in. So I say, oh, now be careful with that because that part might break. Snap. And they just break it. And they look at you and because they're surrounded by so many other gifts, you know what's really annoying? They don't even really care that much. They just look at you and go, what else have you got? I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you know how much that gift cost? Do you know how much that set me back? I went out with love for, for these guys uh, 
we went out for lunch on uh, Friday and we're sitting down and my kids do this to me all the time. And, and we went to this restaurant and it was kind of expensive. And when I say expensive, I mean kids meals are 12 bucks instead of six. And, and, and so it's kind of expensive, right? And so I'm sitting down with them and I said, all right, you guys are hungry. And they always tell me they're really hungry. Dad, we're so hungry. I could eat so much. I said, you really mean that? They're like, yes. I said, you guys don't want to share a meal. No, we want our own. Of course you do. So I buy two. And I, the meal comes out. One chicken nugget deep. And they're going, I'm full. I'm like, do you know how much that cost me? I paid for that. You'll be sitting here for the next hour until you finish it. And that's how I feel. You know, I reckon Jesus feels the exact same way when He watches us try to get through life and cross boundaries and walk back into places of slavery where we get ourselves all bound up and wound up. And He says, I paid for that. Do you know how much it actually cost me for you to not be a slave? I paid for that. Why would you walk back into slavery when I've offered you freedom? Why would you do that? Why would you choose to sort of live that way? Do you see what the cross means is that we no longer need to be slaves. So why would anyone choose slavery? And every time I see someone do relationships wrong and they get bitterness and contempt and they don't fear God anymore and they don't care, I say, you're walking back into slavery. Do you understand how expensive it was to purchase your freedom? So don't live there. Don't choose to stay in that place. You know what I've discovered? I've discovered that uh, spiritually immature people are always the ones that walk back into slavery because they choose to take that position. Spiritually immature people will select that. They'll choose that. They won't do it intentionally. No one says, I want to be a slave. You just become one by how you live. You don't learn to live in freedom. You don't learn to get free and stay free. You choose slavery because you chose bitterness over forgiveness. You choose slavery because you chose to not fear God and not live within the boundaries that He sets for you. In fact, you know, the opening chapter, the chapter that we're reading today, uh, this is how Peter opens it. Next slide. He says, Put away malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. That's how you do relationships, right? That's about relationships. He says, put those things away because like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk so that by it, you may grow up into salvation. He says, if you keep having these issues in your life, you keep fighting with people. You don't even worry about what God says about that. And I've mentioned this in the last sort of couple of weeks, but you know, when you don't forgive people, God doesn't forgive you. So how much would you have to not fear God to live with bitterness and hate and contempt and malice and slander and all the gossip and the stuff that comes with that? How much would you not have to fear God to actually choose to live that way, to choose to live as a slave? Peter says, you know what? You're like spiritual infants. You're like little babies. Because don't you understand the impact that this has on your life? Don't you understand that? And, and I, my point is, how are you supposed to live the great life that God has created you for when you can't even leave your house in the morning because you're carrying so much baggage, you can't get through the front door. 
You wake up and you get out of bed and you're like, I'm getting on with life. You're stuck in the doorway of life because you're carrying so much stuff. And the only way you're going to make it through is you got to let go of that. Come on, get free. Get free. Live free. Don't live with all the stuff that you hold on to that actually ends up wrecking your life. It doesn't actually wreck anyone else's life. And here is the point. Once you become free, stay that way. Stay that way. Let go of stuff. Come on, live this way. Stay that way because your future is tied to your present decisions. So get smart and live free. Your future is tied to your present decisions. So get smart and live free. You got to position yourself to live free. So here's what you got to do. You got to work within the boundaries that God sets. And how many of us would understand that God sets boundaries on everything? Sex, money, relationships, authority, power. You know, He sex, he, he, he puts boundaries around all of those things. Learn to live within those boundaries because God sets boundaries that bring blessing in your life. Like honestly, He, he sets boundaries that will actually benefit you and help you. How many of us would understand that God blesses what you do, not what your intention is? God can't bless what you intended to do because you never did it. Blessing is attached to your actions. Blessing will be attached to what you do. So if you want God to bless you, don't make it so difficult for Him. Make it easy. Make it real easy for Him to bless you by saying, all right, God, well, if this is what you said, I feel completely justified about how I feel about this situation, but you told me to let go. You told me to get free. You told me to walk away from my pain. You told me to walk away from my bitterness and my hate and all the rest of it. So, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna let all of that stuff go because I'm actually living to serve you. And then you watch how God begins to bless you out of it. God puts it this way. I'm going to read one more scripture to you. He puts it this way. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 to 18, He says, See, I've set before you this day, or before you today, life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways and keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, then I declare to you this day that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you're going over to the, over the Jordan to enter and possess. God is so simple. What He says is so easy. He says, if you wanna live free and stay free, choose life. If you wanna live free and stay free, choose His boundaries. If you wanna live free and stay free, choose forgiveness. If you wanna live free and stay free, choose grace. If you wanna live free and stay free, do all the things that God says. And I know that some of these things, they kind of look like rules, but you know what? I've got rules for my kids too. It's how I keep them safe. When we walk through the car park, when we get to the shops, I say, all right, the car park is dangerous. So stick with me, hold my hand, walk with me. And if you stick with me and walk with me and hold my hand, I'll make sure I guide you where you need to go. And I'll make sure that I actually get you there safely. See, when you're a kid, all the stuff that the Bible talks about, you know what it looks like? It looks like rules. It looks like rules and stuff that you don't wanna do. 
But when you start to mature, you choose the rules for yourself. When you start to mature, that's how you know you're becoming mature. It's when you say, all right, I now choose these boundaries for me. I choose to live in the framework of what you've created, God. I choose you. I choose forgiveness. I choose grace. I choose mercy. I choose to have those things. I also, by doing that, I choose freedom for my own life. I choose peace to rule and reign in my heart. I choose not to get bound up and wound up about stuff that's out of my hands anyway. I decide today to let go, to live free, to get smart, to get on with the rest of my life so I can live the life that God's created me for. See, you are a new creation. So live in that freedom and never choose slavery over what Jesus paid for. Does that make sense to you today? Awesome, stand to your feet. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.